here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Crime time, baby! Sorry about your damn luck. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich, and today I am joined by another Andrew, a fellow Andrew, he is the current Impact Wrestling reviewer for Voices of Wrestling. It's Andrew Sinclair. Hello, Andrew. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Excited to, to be on this podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts in the, the Voices of Wrestling Network. So, very cool opportunity. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. That's for sure. Um, nice to have a fellow Andrew on the show for once. <laughs> um, I think, actually, you're, you're the first other Andrew who's ever been on the show. So, um, congrats, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. I will take that as, as a victory and uh, proceed forward. <laughs> okay, okay. And um, I think we also have in common the fact that we both really love the show called The Midwife. Oh, 100%. Yeah, which is incredible because, you know, as wrestling fans, we love, you know, you know hard-hitting action and violence and big bombs and manly men hitting each other. But at the same time, we also love this cute little show about midwives in 50s and 60s England. So it's kind of a kind of polar opposites there, I think. <laughs> very, very strange juxtaposition. You've got on the one hand, like my favorite wrestling is Yuji Okabayashi and Zeus just slapping the pudding out of each other. And then on the flip side, there's me crying at women delivering babies and it's not real. And yeah, uh, yeah. Call the Midwife gets me every time. And I'm not ashamed to admit that at all. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, very strange combo. That's for sure. But uh, a good one, a good one. But uh, anyway, anyway, Andrew, since this is your first time here on the show, I'll ask you a question that I ask a lot of first-time guests here. How long have you been a wrestling fan, and how did you get into wrestling? Um, so I started watching wrestling when I was sort of seven, which was at my my grandparents' house because they had they had uh, Sky. And that was where Raw and SmackDown were. So that's where I got introduced to wrestling. My, my grandfather had always loved wrestling. Uh, he used to go to the old World of Sport tapings with my grandma. And she was the the sort of grandma who'd hit the baddies with her handbag. Um, <laughs> they very much loved their wrestling. I remember after my grandfather passed away, watching it with my grandma. And, and she'd mark out for Batista and she'd boo Ric Flair, even though 
no one was there to to tell her otherwise. Um, so that was my introduction to wrestling, and then I kind of followed it on and off for for a couple of years after that, and then really got back into it sort of two thousand and nine. Uh, which is when I started watching Impact. And that really got me back into wrestling and I found another love for wrestling again. Um, and from then it's just kind of like spiraled really. And I, I just now I consume as much as my university degree will physically let me. <laughs> and uh, what about the music? Has that been a big part of your fandom at all? Uh, yeah, I for me, the music is a huge part of it because I think a great theme song can really help somebody. Uh, I wrote my Impact column this week about uh, Michael Elgin, which obviously would divide opinion. But one of the big things I thought was great about his debut was that I thought his theme music was really good. And I think a really good theme song catches attention, even if the person maybe doesn't. Um, like at, at the moment, one of my favorite theme songs is Eddie Edwards one. I think he's got a really fun theme song that works um, and great theme songs work. And yeah, there aren't some that are great, but I think the theme songs are, you recognize it. And when you're a child, you hear Batista, I walk alone. And I was jumping up and down all over that living room, getting hyped. Um, and I think that's kind of stuck with me ever since, really. I picture like an eight-year-old Andrew Sinclair doing the Batista machine gun arms. Yeah! yeah 100%. <laughs> whereas now I'm much more old and sedentary. So there's not so much getting up. There's more like occasional pacing. <laughs> uh, well, today, Andrew, we are here on episode 59. And uh, as I said... You are the current Impact Wrestling reviewer for VOW. You took up the mantle from Garrett Kidney, which are, are pretty big shoes to fill, but I think you've filled them wonderfully. Thank and you. And the way you do the reviews is pretty cool, too, because each week you center it on a different topic rather than a straight front-to-back review, which is a pretty neat way to do it in, I think. I think it was a, a nice avenue because when I took over from Garrett, I, I, Garrett kind of had that job because he was kind of the voice on impact and he did the weekly reviews and even if they didn't get huge traffic i think he was someone that people really enjoyed reading the work of because he put so much passion into it and clearly cared so when i took over i thought well i i don't want to try and be the same because i know i'm not going to be as good so try and go for something slightly different so rich and i talked about maybe doing the column and then it's kind of it's worked quite well um because i've usually got a couple of ideas floating about my head um so i always kind of got a little bit of material to go with i.e someone's debuting i can i can write something about them someone's leaving i can spotlight them or just kind of big storylines or or things i've noticed about the tv that i like don't like have an issue with that kind of thing yeah and um of course i bring up impact for a very good reason here because today we are going to be talking about the TV themes of the Impact Wrestling TV show from when it first started on FSN way back in 2004 all the way through the many, many, many time slot changes and date changes and channel changes all the way up to 2019 where it's on the quite prestigious Pursuit channel. More on that later, unfortunately. Yeah. But <laughs> let me ask you this first here, Andrew. You mentioned that you first got into TNA in 2009. Do you remember how you first discovered it? Who was on the show? All that stuff? Um, so I started watching it January 2009. It was Genesis 2009 I started. Um, and basically, it was the Christmas holidays from school. I was uh, 11. I was bored. And I basically started scanning the kind of very primitive on-demand service on the TV at home. 
And I found this wrestling and I was like, who are these guys? And then I spotted on the like, kind of the little logo, I spotted, um, I think it was Kurt Angle or Samoa Joe. And I was like, oh, I recognize them. I've seen them before. And I whacked it on. Um, and I remember the first match I really paid attention to was Alex Shelley against Chris Sabin, um, which was a sort of 16 minute match for the X Division title. They played up well on commentary. They were tag team partners. They knew each other really well. And it was just a really fun back and forth. It wasn't a, a match of the year contender or whatever, but it was different. It was fast paced. It was the traditional X Division style, if you will. And that really hooked me in. The rest of the show kind of went by. It didn't really hit me. There was some stuff with Sheikh Abdul Bashir. Uh, I simply think there was a referee gimmick in that as well. That wasn't great. But I remember that show and, and staying against Rhino uh, for the world title. And I just remember kind of getting hooked from then. And it really was that Shelley Sabin match that hit me. And Secret Santa last year, Voice of Wrestling, I had to give a match to somebody. I didn't think of anything else because that was the match that got me into Impact. And it's just super fun. And I've really stuck with it ever since through all the the lol TNA years, the the Billy Corgan era, the multiple Jeff Jarrett eras, and now the Don Callis era. Yeah, I remember discovering it back in 2004 when it pretty much first started. I was 11 at the time, and I was watching TV one day, and this commercial came on for Impact. And I was like, oh, cool, more wrestling. I'll watch that for sure. And I did. I, I, I tuned in to Fox Sports Net on my cable, and... There was AJ Styles, you know, there was Chris Sabin and Monty Brown and Abyss and Triple X and AMW and all these guys who i never heard of before who I then became big fans of. And from then on, I was hooked. I watched every week, uh, even when Impact actually left FSN and you had to watch it with real player on the TNA website for a few months. I still watched every week. And then, of course, it got back on TV later on in the year with Spike, and the rest is history. But, yeah, man, 15 years ago already, it's been... <laughs> I've, I've, been watching, I've been watching TNA for 15 years now, which is, is pretty nuts. Pretty nuts. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. There was a few months where, recently, when I came up to university, and it was the era in the UK where it had left Challenge, and it hadn't yet started on Five Spike. So it wasn't actually technically shown in the UK anywhere. Um, so I was reliant on the, the YouTube for a while um, just to try and keep up with things and, and whatever. Uh, but then it went back to Fire Spike and yeah, that was my one break. But for me, this is the 10th year I've been following the company. And I was just preparing for this show and thinking back to 2009, all the guys that were there then. Chris Sabin being in the first match, I really remember watching. And now he's a producer for the company. Um, Sting, whatever, all those guys angle joe styles all the stuff they've done in impact gone to the wwe or wherever they've ended up going so much has happened in those 10 years and the company's still there despite everything it's always been a constant even if the the product or the roster has turned over massively and the company's changed massively it's still been there yeah i mean that's really one of the most amazing things about Impact is that it's even still on the air in 2019. You know, considering all the stories over the years, all the, the trials and tribulations about moving time slots and moving channels and the bad PR and LOL TNA and declining ratings. People have been predicting, you know, that TNA, Impact, whatever, 
it would die, you know, every year since it started, pretty much. And somehow, some way, they still manage to survive. And Impact, as a show, still manages to be on the air. Granted, it's on a nothing channel like Pursuit, mind you, and it's streaming on Twitch, and pretty much nobody's watching it anymore, but it's still around. It's still going. And even if you're not a fan of Impact, you have to at least give them the credit for their longevity. As a TV show, as a company, whatever, they have had incredible longevity. Oh, I, I totally agree. And in the UK, they've recently changed channel from Five Spike to Five Star, which is which is great for me. Um, as a, an avid viewer of Australian soaps, uh, that's the the home of them is uh, Five Star. And now Impact's on the same channel as uh, my home and away and neighbours viewing. So I'm <laughs> I'm well set. <laughs> Everything is coming up Millhouse in that regard. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's get to these themes here. Uh, a couple of fun facts before we do. The first episode of Impact was on June 4th, 2004 on Fox Sports Net. There have been 770 episodes of the show to date as of this recording. It has been on five different TV channels in the U.S. and can be seen on TV in over 25 other countries. It has been shown in 14 different time slots has been on six out of the seven days of the week and has had 10 different commentator lineups. So there is quite a lot of change and turnover over the years here, which looking at the amount of themes on this episode here, Andrew, that seems to be a real recurring motif with impact in general, I think. Yeah, there's been a huge amount of change. And I think, I don't know, I think the turnover is in some sense is good and in some sense is bad. But yeah, I, I think the themes... There's a lot of difference between some of them, certainly the earlier ones and, and the more modern ones, but even the modern ones, it's kind of, you've got a theme for each sort of mini era of the promotion, really, and they all feel distinct in their own way, and you can kind of match them up with a period in the company's history with certain announcers and certain wrestlers and certain storylines and certain issues outside the ring in certain cases, um, yeah, and that, that turnover has obviously been a huge, huge part of the company's identity, especially within the, the wrestling bubble, as it were. Okay, we'll start off here with the first theme, which naturally debuted on episode one, June 4th, 2004, on FSN. It's, of course, by Dale Oliver. This does not have an official title, so it's just called the Impact 2004-2005 to theme. impact theme is quite interesting i think to listen to in the sense of just how foreboding it sounds and how ominous a tone it, it conveys it has that kind of industrial sound that was fairly prominent with tna themes in general back in the day which is not a very warm or inviting type of music the clunkiness of the guitar riffs dun 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 dun, dun, dun the orchestral bits in there 
the gong, uh, the deep boom of the percussion that just pounds into the song. There's a coldness and a militaristic, sort of imperialistic quality to this one. This image of the ruthless conquering army that is just rolling through a barren wasteland with its tanks and its missiles and its soldiers. And for a brand new wrestling show, I don't know if that's the kind of tone you want to convey here to your audience, Andrew. No, I, I'm with you. You've kind of explained it far better than I, I could possibly hope to. But the, the things I took from it, one, I don't know whether this was me, but the first sort of 20, 25 seconds, I was listening to it and all I could hear was like the old Goldberg theme. And I was just sort of waiting for him to like headbutt a door and, and come <laughs> out and jackhammer me. Um, so uh, that might just be me. That might be where my brain's at right now. But the other thing, I feel they were debuting on Fox Sports Net in America. They were on Bravo in the UK. This was an era where Impact had their first pay-per-view. They were really trying to grow their brand. And for me, the theme song of the TV show needs to be really in your face. And these kind of felt kind of nondescript, really. It felt like it, if you heard that, it wouldn't have any real effect on you. It's not kind of catchy or memorable in any way, as far as I'm concerned. And it doesn't have that in-your-face characteristic that a new company targeting a newish audience really should have. Yeah, I mean, it's a wrestling show, so there will obviously be violence and action and that stuff. But it's also supposed to be fun and exciting, and this theme is not that. You know, it's heavy, it's intense, sure, but it, it lacks that driving spark that gets you motivated to sit down and watch, you know, Shark Boy versus Petey Williams or whoever. I mean, it's perfect for, like, Command and Conquer or whatever, but not so much for, you know, a fun, exciting wrestling show. Yeah, I mean, th this was an era of impact. We had Amazing Red, Sanjay Dutt, Petey Williams, America's Most Wanted, AJ Styles. I mean, this was the era of the Elix Skipper cage walk. Uh, you had Monty Brown. What a lad he was. I, I miss Monty Brown deeply. Um, but you had like the three live crew. You had lots of interesting, fun acts. And then this song, I don't know, it doesn't doesn't convey... To me, it didn't convey really what the company was about. Their violent kind of undertones are there. But to me, it just kind of... The, the theme feels there, but it's not kind of... It doesn't hit you, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it's unique, you got to give it that. It, it's unique. It definitely stands out amongst a lot of the other wrestling TV show themes that I've heard, uh, especially around this time in WWE, because Raw had Across the Nation, SmackDown had I Want It All, and those two songs sound very different than this one. So I, I guess I got to give this first theme some credit here for you know standing out amongst the other two major wrestling TV show themes at the time. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a uniqueness from that perspective. And I think this was sort of before they were trying to be WWE-like, so it achieved something in that regard. So that first theme lasts until the next year, 2005, which is the year that they got cancelled by FSN. They moved to the website for a little bit, and then they got back on TV on Spike later in that year on Saturday nights. So... This second theme is, again, by Dale Oliver, and again, no official title, so it's just going to be called the Impact 2005-2006 to theme. 
So this second theme here, uh, not totally different from the first one. Still has that kind of grimy rock metal sound to it. That said, though, this theme has exactly what the first one doesn't, which is that drive, that, that energetic human spark to it that gets you pumped up and gets you motivated. It's not over the top. It's not super happy peppy. But still, you can hear that the guitar riffs are a bit smoother. The refrain is more of a kick-ass melody to it than the more militaristic one in the previous theme. It's not super complicated, uh, quite repetitive actually, but overall it's much more punk, much more in-your-face and attitudinal and come on than it is all doom and gloom, which I think is a much better choice for a wrestling show theme, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that one. To me, it came across as much heavier, uh, more punky in tone. And to me, that screamed more kind of classic TV wrestling, if, if that makes sense. Obviously not classic in, in the sense of your AWAs and your 80s and your 90s, but certainly the era I was growing up with Raw and SmackDown, this certainly felt more like, quote-unquote, wrestling, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. For me, it's much more in your face. It registers much more as wrestling. I'm not saying it's a hugely better song than the first one, Um but it certainly does feel like it fits the brief a little bit better. Yeah, and this type of sound, too, will be pretty much the majority sound for the remainder of the show. There will be a few outliers here and there, of course, but for the most part, the impact theme will be some sort of intense, in-your-face, driving metal song, which, again, for a wrestling TV show, it, it makes sense. Yeah, to- I, I totally agree with you. And uh, one more thing from me about this song here. Um, of course, this being Dale Oliver, he did rip off another song to make this one. Uh, that being Cosmopolitan Blood Loss by a post-hardcore band called Glassjaw. Many ways, many days, many faces down the line When people whisper it makes her nervous you from the airport, he drives in most letters In several days, I just might be worth it So, after all, after all So it kind of makes sense then why it would sound more energetic and lively because it's based off of a post-hardcore band and their song. And, and that song, by the way, the, Gla- the Glassjaw song, that also has its own connection with wrestling because it's on the soundtrack to the video game Legends of Wrestling 2, which I did own for the GameCube back in the day. Um, not a great game, pretty bad, but uh, the soundtrack was pretty good. So, Well, uh, you learn something every day. I, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that the hardcore music scene is uh, really me, really. I'm, I'm much more of a country stroke dean martin frank sinatra kind of guy but um <laughs> at least I, I got the the punky kind of overtones so I, i'm impressed with myself in that in that regard gold star gold star for you <laughs> <laughs> uh april 2006 that's when impact moved to its new time slot on thursdays on spike tv uh, first late at night then in prime time which means we get theme number three. This is by Dale Oliver featuring Mark Williams and Vernon Kay off of the album Third Degree Burns, The Music of Teenage Wrestling Volume 1. 
This is called Adrenaline Rush. So a couple years in now, and we finally get what I think can be considered the first quote-unquote full-fledged song for an impact theme. Uh, the first two were okay, but, you know, they were just kind of generic metal instrumentals. Not all that memorable, really. Here you've got vocals. Here you've got lyrical structure. You've got some electronica bits and bobs in there in the mix. It's not the most serious song in the world, mind you, but it, it does inject some much-needed personality and more of that human touch into the song, while at the same time retaining that drive and that energy that was in the previous theme, Andrew. Yeah, I, I really like this one. Um, it does come across as quite tame at the beginning, um, which is obviously a slight drawback. You want it to kind of hit you from the beginning. But um, just some of the lyrics, uh, I need no permission because I'm your opposition now. And uh, I'm going to attack. Kind of those things are very kind of brash, cocky, um, they reflect the, the growing popularity of the company at this time. They certainly seem to be gaining a groundswell of, of support. You had Christian Cage in the, the main event scene. Um, I'm a huge Christian fan. I always have been. Like That was a great time um, for me anyway. And it kind of it reflected the move into Thursday nights. They, they, I don't know. The song to me conveys a brash on the come up company and promotion that has something to kind of boast about and be a little bit braggadocious about. Um, I love that. And I mean, the, the first episode on the Thursday night, you had uh, you had Abyss defeating Rhino. Um, you had Alex Shelley and Sanjay Dutt teaming up to defeat Hiroki Goto and Minoru Tanaka. And you had an X Division title match between Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Um, that's a wrestling show I'd get hyped about. Um, perfect one hour of, of wrestling for me. And that song, to me sells that hour of wrestling tier. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I, I think even having a song be called Adrenaline Rush is what you want for a wrestling show. Uh, you want people to watch your show and, and feel that adrenaline rush and, and to feel the excitement and all that stuff. So you want a song that promotes those feelings. Um, of course, <laughs> the vocalist saying the words Adrenaline Rush like 80,000 times in the song also helps, of course, but... The lyrics do too. The lyrics do too. Uh, you say I'm being rude because I got an attitude. You better watch out because I'm going to come and get you. It takes a million or more to hold me back. So watch out world because I'm on the attack now. So you're getting action. You're getting excitement. You're getting that adrenaline rush that's going to pump you up whenever impact is on. So it all makes sense there, Andrew. 
you know when i come down i come up to feel the vibe of the adrenaline rush now it's just so bold and cocky and i think the vocals being really irritating kind of helps with that because then the theme kind of gets stuck in your head and then then you obviously it segues into the the program and some some good quality wrestling Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's perfect for the era too. I think because this is still mid two thousands, and this kind of music, that whole rap rock thing, is still going strong at this point. You know, uh, like like this would fit right in on the soundtrack to uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit or whatever. You know, like that. Cause <laughs> that it's perfect for that. I think that was a tremendous game. Uh, the next year, two thousand and seven, we get yet another new theme, the fourth theme in three years. Dale Oliver, once again, uh, this is off of Meltdown, the music of TNA Wrestling, Volume 2. And again, no real title, really, so it's just called the Impact 2007-2008 to theme. So not really much to say about this one, uh, considering it's just a second version of the second theme. Uh, pretty much the same song, really, except for a few few busier moments there in terms of the individual parts of the song. A few more guitar riffs added in. But uh, yeah, not a ton to say about this one, I don't think, uh, Andrew. No, I listened to it the first time, and I initially thought it was exactly the same as the second one. Um I listen to it again, and I, I do get what you mean. It's slightly kind of a bit more intense than the, the, the second one, but yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's a weird choice because I thought, I don't know, it feels like a backward step from the Adrenaline Rush song. Uh, it would kind of make more sense if they were maybe the other way round in terms of kind of trying to improve the themes and build your identity. It would make sense that you'd have a slightly improved version of one song and then a totally different angle rather than A, B, and then kind of have... A somewhere halfway between A and B, if that, if that makes A2. sense. A two, A two, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes. As opposed to A one, who was part of Team Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old, uh, good old Alistair Ralphs. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah. I, I felt the same way as you did. Uh, why did they do away with Adrenaline Rush and take this step backwards to the generic sludgy metal song, especially after only using Adrenaline Rush for a short amount of time, which as we said before, is kind of par for the course for a lot of these themes. You know, the turnover is practically an annual occurrence because some big event happens and they feel that because of this big change, the theme needs to change too. Which, okay, I'm sure some big changes do require a theme change, but it's not necessary for every single change, you know? No, I feel you, and I I think... With certainly individual wrestlers' music, you form an identity to their music. And yes, that will change when there's perhaps a change of gimmick or angle or if they've been away for a long time. But if they keep 
kind of chopping and changing the music, you don't form that attachment to that person because when the music hits, your brain doesn't automatically click and go bang AJ Styles or whoever that person may be. Um, and I kind of that feels the same with the TV show. If if it keeps chopping and changing, it won't necessarily have the same register with people. That might be me making more of it than it is, but to me, that that's how it came across. Right, right. And, and to be fair, it's not like it's just TNA doing this thing. You know, SmackDown has had like a million themes in the span of eight years or whatever. Same with NXT. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I think ROH is like the only major wrestling TV show now that has had only two or three theme songs since it started back up on Sinclair in 2011. So it is a habit that goes beyond TNA and into the larger wrestling sphere. I'm sorry, true. I agree with you. Um, you can never get enough Nickelback, can you? <laughs> no, no. Or Papa Roach, for that matter. No, but um, we go now to the very next year, 2008. Uh, October 23rd was the first episode that was filmed outside the Impact Zone. So to mark the occasion, we get yet another new theme. This is by Dale Oliver and Serge Salinas, featuring ADAM, off of Emergence, the music of TNA Wrestling. This is called Cross the Line. historical context here uh, Cross the Line was actually the tagline for TNA at this point in time uh, 08, 09 ish it used to be TNA We Are Wrestling but then they changed it to TNA Cross the Line which uh, given some of the tasteless angles that they've done over the years <laughs> I'd say that's a pretty uh, pretty appropriate tagline I think <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, anyway um, this is a very heavy song Probably the heaviest song so far, especially with uh, the shouty metal vocals in there instead of the bouncy Adrenaline Rush, Adrenaline Rush guy. And comparing the two songs, I'd say that Cross the Line is much more intense and much more serious than a song like Adrenaline Rush is. So it kind of represents not necessarily a maturity, but that Impact has gained a harder edge, so to speak, which again... Having the song be called Cross the Line matches up with that pretty nicely, uh, Andrew. I love this song. I unashamedly love this song. I think it's very much not my musical taste either, but I think it's because this is when I first parachuted into Impact and it's it's a time when I really got back into wrestling again. Um, so I've kind of got an emotional attachment to this song and when I was kind of going through it before the show, it, it kind of 
he kind of struck me a little bit and I, I got a bit emotional. Um, but yeah, it's just, it was very bold. It's very in your face. It, more, even more in your face than the Adrenaline Rush song. Uh, the metal kind of tone to it, I think, really helps with that. Um, but yeah, this is a, is a song that for me is associated with a really fun time in Impact. You had Beer Money, who are one of my favorite more modern tag teams. You had Sting. You had whatever what was going on with the main event mafia. Um, you had Alex Saban, uh, Alex Shelley, and Chris Saban rather that the Motor City Machine Guns. You had Matt Morgan. You had Awesome Kong, Lethal Consequences. Uh, it was just a great time for the company. And I don't know the the song really gets across the the cross the line message that they were going for. I mean that was the purpose of it, but it just feels very very in your face. It really hits you. Um, and I, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I appreciate how the lyrics really try to push Impact as this alternative brand to WWE. Everybody's doing what everybody's doing. Everybody's doing the same thing. I be doing what I be doing. I be doing my thing. The world spins round to the right, they say. I'll be spinning the other way. Doing what I can. Doing what I know. The world's my stage, and I'm the show. It is my destiny, it is the truth I see, in this world I find a way to cross the line. No possibility, originality, don't be left behind, go ahead and cross the line. So what it's saying is that crossing the line isn't just about being crude or whatever, it's almost like an act of rebellion. You know, everybody's doing the same thing, everybody is watching WWE and WWE is the same and whatnot. Well, we're TNA. We'll be doing what we'll be doing. We'll be spinning the other way. We'll be going against the grain. If everybody else wants to toe the line, we will cross the line and be something new, something else, something original. And that's a really good and strong message to have in your theme song if you're trying to present yourself and your show as the alternative to WWE. Um, Obviously, the reality is that TNA has done a lot of WWE things over the years, but at the same time, you know, they've also gone down different routes and put their own spin on things, like with the X Division, for example, or with the Knockouts Division being a superior in-ring product to the Divas Division for many years. So yeah, I'd say Cross the Line is a pretty good theme to have for Impact, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I think it really captured the, the essence of the promotion and in theory, at least, what they were trying to do, even if there was a lot of kind of WWE light crossover in places um, with certain storylines or whatnot. But I think a, a part of the song that's always struck me, and I think this is my my mind making the association rather than actually being one, is there's a part in the song where it says, listen to the voice, to the spirit scream, come alive and fly with me. And then it goes back into the chorus, it's my destiny. And, and that way. But the, the come alive and fly with me, this theme starts only a couple of months before AJ Styles starts using the classic Get Ready to Fly song. Um, and I always kind of made an association with the two, with AJ having that Get Ready to Fly, just great song, and me being fully behind AJ Styles. So I always kind of made the association that he hit it, kind of they, they hit the right note of the two being together. Hmm, yeah, yeah. Um, see, see, to me, when you say that line, come alive and fly with me, I was thinking of a different wrestler, Suicide. Because if you remember, his theme song was, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming alive. 
And at the time, he would fly to the ring on the zip line. So that's what I thought there. That was great. I remember his feud with uh, uh, D'Angelo De Niro. That was possibly that was a fun the, only one, time, yeah. the only time I ever cared about the former Elijah Burke. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't know, this might be me. Is this the song that's on the TNA Impact video game? Maybe, because they put out the PSP version of the game, and they called it TNA Impact Cross the Line. So yeah. maybe, but I'm not totally sure on that, actually. Yeah, I've I've not played that decade in a in a decade. Well, sorry, I've not played that game in about a decade plus. But the song seems like it would have been around the same time the game came out. And obviously, Suicide was on the game, and that's how they parlayed them into being on TV. So maybe it is, or maybe that's just my mind again. But I don't know. It would make sense on the game as well because they were trying to do something different with the game in terms of the presentation and whatever. Right. Right. Um, one more thing about this one here. Um, it, it's kind of funny how it's a song about originality, and yet at the same time, it's also a, a ripoff song. Because it's a ripoff of the song Paralyzer by Finger Eleven. Which is just funny to me that a song about originality and doing your own thing is actually copying another song. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one, but I'm I'm not gonna take any disparaging of an incredible, incredible TV thing. Oh no no no, I'm not I'm not criticizing. Let's be clear about that. I'm just <laughs> I'm just pointing it out for the fine folks out there. <laughs> so uh, in the time between across the line and this next theme coming up here, a couple of icons stroll into TNA, looking to steer this ship into the ocean of success. They end up steering it into a lagoon of mediocrity, but that's a story for later, I think. (laughs) Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, they come to TNA, and all of a sudden, big changes are afoot in the company, one of which was moving impact from Thursdays to Mondays to go head-to-head with Raw. They do a test run of this on January 4th, 2010, and quote-unquote permanently move it to Mondays on March 8th. So on March 8th, Impact gets a new theme song. It's composed by Dale Oliver and Cirque Salinas, and it's performed by a band called Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is called Change Me.
So I, I don't have a lot to say about the actual music itself. It, it's a decent rock song, pretty catchy. But the part I want to focus on here are the title and the lyrics, because Change Me is such a perfect way to describe TNA around this time, because there were just so many changes going on here when Hogan and Bischoff came in and took over. You know, you had the six-sided ring going back to the four-sided ring. You had the change from Thursday nights to Monday nights for the time slot. And then back to Thursdays, because the writing sucked. But yeah, the roster changes as well, where they brought in a bunch of guys like Brian Kendrick, Mr. Anderson, the Nasty Boys, Orlando Jordan, Sean Morley, Shannon Moore... Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are just a bunch of changes going on here. And I think having a song called Change Me is very appropriate for the occasion, Andrew. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I absolutely and I hate this song. Um, <laughs> to me, it smacks of uh, the Papa Roach song that used to be on Raw. To Be um, Loved. Yes, that one. Which I used to think was a jam back in the day. Um, but now I don't like either. But I feel like it, it screams that to me, and then it screams, because of that, WWE Lite, which was, I think, everything I disliked about what they tried to do by moving to Monday nights. I remember the first Monday night episode was just really bad. Like, they had the Steel Asylum match to start, where the bars were too close together, and the oh, hard Oh, God, that's work. right. Oh, where Homicide got stuck. Yeah. He got stuck. Oh, Jesus. And then Seth just comes out and, like, sits on the top. And I was just like, this is, like, actual trash. And then you ended up with Flair and Hall and Waltman and the Nasty Boys. And it just get worse and worse and worse for me during that show. And you had the Hogan and the Bischoff staff, who I'd never really liked from, from the, WWE, the WWE days. Um and then the, the weird thing is that first show ended with a match between Styles and Angle that was really good. Like, really, really good. I remember really liking it at the time. But then it just got worse. Like, the ratings were good that first few weeks. I think they hit 3 million at the start of the, the yep. first one. Highest ratings um, ever. Yep. And then it just went very much downhill from there. And I think even if you look then, I think it's a, a powerful time in the wrestling industry. Because I think Raw the same night got sort of five and a half million, I think it was. Well, that was the night that Bret Hart came back to WWE and he yeah. made amends with Shawn Michaels in the ring and they hugged. So you're not going to beat that, I don't think. <laughs> and I mean, you look now and they're struggling to get even half of that. And obviously the, the TV landscape has changed hugely for, for both companies, but... I think it just tells you that that was a time where, I don't know, wrestling really was capturing people's imagination. And maybe it isn't now, but yeah, that that era of TNA, certainly sort of 2010, um, 2011, to me, wasn't great. And I really, really didn't like this song. I mean, as far as the actual lyrics go, they're quite interesting. I am, I am, possessed by the future, future, and my greed and power, power, Running through my veins. Can you feel it? Watching all the angels, angels, taking me higher, higher. Emotional chaos, chaos, running through my veins. Watch it change me. Those aren't exactly the most inspiring lyrics in the world, you know? Like, like Adrenaline Rush and Cross the Line, those songs are all about hyping up people, hyping up the audience, 
motivating them to be original and to feel the rush and, and whatever and so forth. This is about a guy who has greed and power running through his veins. He also has emotional chaos within himself, and it's changing him. So there's a lot of corrupting imagery going on here, which is not the kind of rah-rah enthusiasm that you would expect with wrestling themes here, Andrew. No, I, I get you. I think, yeah, there's something about those lyrics as well when you just think it was the kind of the Hogan Bischoff era that's just kind of a bit uncomfortable, really. No. What about the power and the, the, the greed and all that kind of stuff? Just, I don't know. It doesn't sit, the, the juxtaposition there doesn't doesn't sit right with me, but I don't know, it, it's a song that, again, feels like a, a backward step in many ways. You had a really punchy theme across the line, and then this just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, I mean, when you've got Hogan and Bischoff there, I think greed and power and chaos are kind of par for the course, so yeah. maybe it is fitting after all. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, with the chaos, with the ratings tanking and being forced to move back to Thursday nights, it's a lot more true to life, I suppose, than one might realize, uh, Andrew. Certainly, yeah. Good old Terry. The very next year, 2011, Impact gets its seventh theme in seven years. Why? Because the show has been rebranded. No more TNA Impact, it is now Impact Wrestling. Take your sexual innuendo names and hit the bricks, sweetheart. <laughs> this new theme is by Dale Oliver and Cirque Salinas. It's off of the album TOI. It's called Sinister Rise Above. <laughs> So we were on a nice little run there with the songs, with the vocals and the lyrics and so forth. Um, strange lyrics sometimes, but they did add some depth to the theme songs. But now we're back to the instrumentals because I guess they changed the name of the show and figure, well, got to get a new theme as well. And now we're back to this type of song. Pretty hard to break down with any complex analysis, really. Uh, it checks all the boxes. It's fine. Hard and heavy, intense, driving, etc., etc., but it doesn't really lend itself to long-form conversation, Andrew. No, I agree with you. I think it it is quite heavy, it's quite intense, and I think it works well. I think it does the job, but yeah, it's not, it's not a complex piece of music at all. I think one thing I meant to say in the previous song, you mentioned Orlando Jordan. That gimmick was trash. It was really, really bad, and I remember watching it with my mum, and my mum just being utterly, utterly appalled at whatever was going on because it made no sense at all. And it was, it was just really bad acting um, with him and Eric Young. It just wasn't wasn't great wholesome family viewing. I'll certainly say that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think this song comes from a time that was very odd because I remember they did the whole like, oh, we've got big news. We're going to do a rebrand. And then it was like, you're going from TNA Impact to still being TNA, but the weekly show is going to be called Impact Wrestling. 
And it was like, how is that a change? I don't know. It it kind of ended up feeling more confusing because it was like, is it TNA? Is it Impact Wrestling? Which is the one you're supposed to use, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this theme song lasts a long time as well. There's a lot that happens between when this song comes in in, in 2011 and the, the end of the Spike era. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is the longest lasting Impact theme to date. Uh, May 19th, 2011 to January 7th, 2015. So a little under four years there for this one, which compared to like every other theme, which only lasts like a year or two at most, it's pretty impressive that even though this theme song is not the most memorable one out there, it is the one that has lasted the longest. Yeah, it's very odd. I mean, I mean, this is an era that you see the six-sided ring come back. They go down from monthly pay-per-views to quarterly pay-per-views to, I think it's biannual pay-per-views by the very end. Um, you had Aces and Eights. Uh, you had Bobby Roode. You had, you had Austin Aries winning the title at Destination X 2012. It was one of my favorite moments in company history. I, I really, really love that match. Um, it, was, it was one that actually really kept me invested in promotion and didn't, didn't turn me off. Unfortunately, Mr. Aries's spell with the company's obviously ended in a unsavory fashion last year. But certainly that that match from this era stayed with me. You had you had Rob Van Dam, Kenny King, Christian York. I remember their X Division feud that was quite fun, I guess. Um, you had Chavo uh, Chavo Guerrero and uh, my boy Hernandez. They were a really fun team. You had the Dirty Heels. I don't know. I feel a lot happened in this era, and of course, Aces and Eights. Certain... Bad influence as well. Yes, I, I love the bad Apple influence teams. run. Yeah, yeah, it was. I don't know. It was an interesting time for sure, uh, but a very long time. A lot happened. Um, I mean, you had Hogan sort of go during this time as well. A very a lot happened whilst this theme was going on, which I think, unlike the other ones where it felt they chopped and changed because there was an announcement, but maybe something in the company hadn't really changed. This one stays even though really everything within the company was really changing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird too, actually, because there is also like a lyrical version of this song out there too. And the lyrics are your typical rah-rah, hopeful, inspiring wrestling lyrics. Don't let the losers drag you down. Rise above the liars, rise above the hate, and so forth. The lyrical version would work really well as a TV theme, but for whatever reason, Impact went with the instrumental version instead. Yeah, I think I think that probably would add a lot, to be honest, because uh, I think as an instrumental, it it's good. It does the job, as I said, but it it doesn't it doesn't have that extra gear that maybe some of the other ones certainly did. Right, right. So uh, yeah, January seventh, twenty fifteen. That is when Impact gets a new theme. The reason being because Impact moved to a new network. They are now off of Spike TV after so many years and are now on Destination America, which will be their home for the remainder of the year. Not a big channel. Uh, in fact, the average ratings do take a severe dip with the move, unfortunately. Uh, but Impact figures, you know what? It's a big channel change. Let's have a makeover. Let's change the whole thing up here. New logo, new stage, new graphics, and a new theme song. This is by Crazy Town featuring Boondock and it's called Megatron. And it always drives me up the wall. 
get into this, uh, I'm sure some of you out there heard me say the name Crazy Town and thought, isn't that the band that did the song Butterfly? Come a lady, come come a lady, you're my butterfly, sugar baby. Yes it is, it is. Uh, now that song came out in 1999, this one came out in 2015. And you might think, 2015 Crazy Town is not something that I want to listen to. And for the most part, you're probably right about that. But in this case, I'll make an exception because I actually really like this song quite a bit. Uh, in fact, this is probably one of my favorite Impact TV themes here, Andrew. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Why Did I make an that? error in judgment there? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Part of me, I don't know. This song to me, I don't know, it never really sat right with me in terms of what I felt they should have been going for. Um, but I think that that might be a hindsight thing, really. I think the 2015 year on Destination America didn't really work, and I think a lot of the things they tried that year didn't really work. So maybe I just associate the song with a year in the company's history that I didn't really like. I don't know. That might be me. Yeah, I'm not speaking about the TV product, obviously. I mean, I'm just talking about the song in and of itself, in its own little bubble. And really, it, I think it's just a nice breath of fresh air from the constant straight-up metal music that we've had so far, almost the whole way through here. You know, it's it's lighter, it's bouncier, uh, even bouncier than Adrenaline Rush was. It's got the catchy chorus with the whoa, 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 whoa parts. The rapping is okay and, and nice and hits all the notes of being braggadocio and cutting, uh, but also kind of inspiring as well. It's just, it's a much more fun song to listen to than, say, Sinister Rise Above or any of the instrumentals that we played earlier. Because those just get boring after a while. You know, they, they tend to blend together. This one, it does stand out because it brings more of that party atmosphere and fun atmosphere to the proceedings, which I appreciate. No, I, I get you on that front. And I think it, it certainly does strike a much different tone with the, than the other ones, rather. And obviously, that's what they had to do. They were onto a new network after the acrimonious split with Spike. And... I think they had to try and go with something different. Uh, they certainly needed a, a reboot in a sense. But to me, I, I just don't think, to my mind anyway, I, I don't think it fitted the brief. But that might be because in my head I've got quite a fixed, i.e. wrestling TV theme songs need to kind of fit that rocky um, and a hard, like hardcore, punky mould. And this doesn't necessarily. So maybe it's just a, it doesn't work. But I actually quite like the song. I think it's quite fun. I just, maybe I don't see it as a, a wrestling TV theme. Fair enough. Fair enough. That, that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I do think you're right, though, that they did need to change it up with the new channel. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I, I at least appreciate that they did try something different here. No, I'm with you on that front. Yeah. 
So the Destination America run only lasts a year uh, because the ratings were so low and they didn't want to renew them for more episodes. Also, because Dixie Carter is a fucking moron and she sent an email that was critical of the Destination America executives to the Destination America executives, (laughs) which is a move that is probably in the LOL TNA Hall of Fame, I think. So they're off. Destination America. But luckily, another channel comes in to save the day, Pop TV, which is, again, not a big channel. And again, the average ratings are still very low compared to previous years in Spike. And because of the channel change as well, they get another new theme, their ninth theme, which debuts on January 5th, 2016, the first Pop TV episode. It's by Billy Corgan. Yes, we have reached the Billy Corgan era. The BCE is here. This is called Roustabout. This is easily the most unique song of the episode, I think, because it just doesn't sound like anything else here. It doesn't sound like any other Impact TV theme played. It's not industrial metal. It's not rap rock. It's not rock and roll at all. It doesn't even have any substantial instruments in it. It's just a couple synth riffs and a drum machine, and that's about it, really. It's really quite sparse and simple in comparison to so many of the other themes, which I think makes it quite unique in that sense, Andrew. No, I, I actually, kind of contrastingly to the other one, this one's very different, but I actually really like this one, and I think it worked. Because to me, it was different, and I think it symbolized that Billy Corgan's involvement, they were trying to do something different. You can see now the stuff he's doing with the NWA, that he clearly has a vision for what wrestling should look like and the things you should be able to try with wrestling. Um, and I think they did try that in 2016 with this theme. At uh, that time, you had Mike Bennett came into the company. Um, I think he's someone who gets a lot of stick. I, I, I really enjoyed his run with Impact. I thought he was good. I thought he was serviceable. Um, I thought he played his role as the, the sort of chicken shit heel really well. Um, you got Moose coming into the company. You had the big Lashley title run. Uh, you had EC3's face run, which I really, really enjoyed. You had the Broken Hardy stuff. It was all trying to do something a little bit different. At the end of the year, they brought in the Grand Championship. There was a lot of stuff they were trying to do that was different. And I think that theme symbolizes that because it's totally different to everything else that we've had on the show so far. 
Yeah, to me, when I listen to it, I don't automatically think of a wrestling show. I think more of like a sports package, you know, where there's like a bunch of athletes in slow motion in their respective sports. Maybe a shot of the fans celebrating in the crowd and going nuts. Like an interstitial for ESPN, that kind of thing. Which, which again, I'll give it credit for doing something unique in that sense. Because it's not going for the usual amped up, aggressive, crazy wrestling show song. Ah, let's go, metal music, yeah, come on. It's a lot more subdued than that. It's a lot more sophisticated in its presentation to the audience, uh, I think. No, I, I think you, you're spot on there. I actually, one of the really thing, the, the things I really enjoyed about this song was that it has quite a nice escalation to it. And I thought it worked really well with the, the graphics packages and stuff they did whilst Billy Corgan was there. Because like you say, it worked well with the kind of the camera shots and the slow motion. And I think they were able to recap storylines and so on with this in the background. It actually worked really well. Uh, and that was one of the, the main kind of lasting memories I have of that song is that it always seemed to work with the, the various different clips and so on that they'd upload. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you said, that's Billy Corgan trying to bring something new to the table. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't last very long, unfortunately, because the theme song only lasted like about a year and Billy was out of TNA in like 16 months or 18 months. So, yeah, just... Chewed up and uh, spat back out was uh, poor Billy Corgan, I guess. Mm. But I think it was great because it kind of gave him a platform to try some new things and have some new ideas. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, now you've yeah. seen the NWA. He had the opportunity to try some stuff, see some stuff that worked. And now I think the NWA have got a really nice niche and they're doing some really fun stuff. So I think Billy Corgan's been a really positive addition to the, the wrestling business. So the 10th and current impact theme the one that they have right now even after leaving pop tv for the pursuit channel which by the way makes pop tv look like cbs in terms of audience reach <laughs> it debuted on march 9th 2017 and it's by dale oliver off of green the music of impact wrestling this is called notorious So we're ending this one on not so much a down note, but kind of a meh note, to be honest. It's it's just more of the same metal instrumental there. Uh, this has a little bit of electronica in there with the percussion, but really not all that much to write home about with this one. Not bad, not amazing. It's just kind of there, you know, in one ear, not the other, Andrew. Yeah, I think it might not be particularly memorable, but I think... 
You just think, since March 2017, the amount of turnover that company's had and the amount of changes that they've had. I mean, that was this started when basically Double J came back, greatest player in the game. He was back in it. He brought on all this fresh talent. Um, you had the, the GFW crossover angle. You had the titles getting unified. Um, you had some. You had some really good stuff. And then Jeff had his problems, and he left. And then the merger kind of failed. And then Don Callis and Scott Demore came in. And I thought that when they came in, I thought that was going to be the time where the, the theme changed. I thought they would change it again because Don and Scott clearly have a very different vision for what they wanted Impact to be. And they really were trying to give the company a reboot. They've gone back to quarterly pay-per-views. They've started touring again. Uh, they've been to Canada and New York and varying different locations. They've been to Philly recently, Las Vegas. Um, going back to Texas for anniversary later this year, they went back to the four-sided ring. Uh, they got rid of the Grand Championship. They brought in some top, top-level indie guys and really tried to consolidate their roster of top-level indie guys and then using local talent in the, the various cities that they go to. Um, and I think it's a time where they've actually started to rebuild some credibility in the last year, both financially. I think they're the most stable they've been in a, a very long time. And in terms of fans, as you say, the pursuit deal is, is garbage. But I think... Impact generally now has a far better reputation than it did two, three years ago. Um, you only have to look at Slammiversary last year. It was a, an all-time great show. And even Rebellion a, a couple of weeks ago now was a great show. I know you're a fan, same as I was, of the, the Tessa blanchard Gail Kim match. I think Impact is in a good place right now, even if the buzz is small. Um, but yeah, th th this theme's been through a lot. Yeah, I suppose, looking at it, there's a sense of stability and normalcy here with this one, I guess. Because it's not the kind of song that will light the world on fire, obviously, but it's not the worst song ever, either. Um, same with Impact. You know, TNA, Impact, whatever it's called, it's been in much better situations than this one right now. But I would also argue that it's been in much worse situations, because... Right now, it's not doing great, but it's also not the complete and utter laughingstock of the wrestling world that it was for just so long. Like, they're not thriving, they're not getting a ton of buzz, really, but at the same time, they're not being just ruthlessly mocked and sinking into the ocean. Like, right now, they've plateaued, which, even though they're not at a high level, it's much more preferable to sinking. I totally agree. And I think the main thing for me is that the title of the song is perhaps the most apt since Cross the Line. I think no matter what, through its existence, TNA Impact Wrestling has always been notorious for something, for good. Be that AJ Styles, Daniels, Samoa Joe Triple Threat from 2005, be that the X Division, be that some really, really good storylines and storytelling. Be that the bad, be that the bad matches, be that the, the lol TNA years, be that the Hogan times, be that Dixie Carter and the, the Destination America emails or every kind of financial faux pas they made along the way. Even, well, sorry, you had Jeff Jarrett. You came back in 2017 and then suddenly that fell apart and then there's the 
did they delete the GFW tapes or did they not delete the GFW tapes? Yeah, yeah, about that. Uh... <laughs> or even last year, even though that there was the Callis and Demore uh, administration seemed to bring some stability, and I think Slammiversary did get some real buzz. That was a notorious show. You then also had the incidents with uh, Alberto El Patron and Austin Aries at Bound for Glory that got the company headlines for the wrong reasons. And I think no matter what, Impact Wrestling has always been notorious. Yeah, yeah. And I think looking back on this episode and looking back on history, who knows, maybe Impact will be around for many years to come because it's been said year after year, you know, Impact is going to die, it's going to die, and it's still here. It's still on the air. It's on pursuit of all places, which sucks, but it's still on the air. It's still a thing. Which is good. It's good because we want Impact to still be around so that there are as many wrestling alternatives as possible. We need that. And I think the big question now, of course, is what is next for Impact? Where do they go from here? Maybe Impact will bounce back up a little bit. Maybe they'll sink further down. Maybe they'll stay the course. I don't know. But whatever happens, I think based on everything that's gone on so far with that company, Impact will always be known as one of the most persistent wrestling entities that has ever existed. I I could have put it better myself. Uh, In the words of Winston Churchill, they'll just keep buggering on no matter what. (laughs) Well said, well said. All right, well, that does it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Andrew, uh, thank you as well for being here because this was just a a total blast talking about the various Impact themes and uh, strolling down Impact memory lane with you. Thank you very much, Andrew. It was a real privilege. I I, I really am grateful. Thank you. Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Uh, not right now because I'm currently dying under a stack of revision. But if you want to follow me on Twitter for some lukewarm takes, it's at amsinclair97. And then check me out at Voices of Wrestling for uh, impact columns and Scottish wrestling as and when I feel like it. And Music of the Mat is part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find this and many other great wrestling podcasts on there at voicesofwrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. You can find the YouTube playlist for this and all past episodes at the VOW forums. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forum. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Andrew, thank you again. I'll see you around. Thank you. All right. For Andrew Sinclair, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.